Hey, it's Eric Quamala. You know me as Equal Man. And I'm about to have a very productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. I'm Mike Vardy, and I am equally stoked, as I would be every episode, to have Equal Man on the podcast today. Eric Qualman's joining me today. He is a five times best-selling author and keynote speaker, spoken in over 55 countries, and he's reached over 50 million people. We're going to talk about his book, The Focus Project, and the importance of focus, what you can do if you lose focus, the relationship between fear and focus. And he was actually voted the second most likable author in the world behind Harry Potter's J.K. Rowling. Uh, Depending on where you stand with J.K. Rowling, that could be a good thing or a bad thing. But I can tell you this much. With uh, me talking to Eric today, there's a lot of uh, likability that that comes out of it. We talk about his green glasses, too, uh, and willpower and Green Lantern and so many things. So let's just get to it. Here's my conversation with Equal Man, Eric Wallman. Enjoy. Equal Man, Eric, how you doing? Thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Well, thank you, Mike. It's good to see you. Great to be here. Great to be with your listeners. So I want to get right into the book that we're focusing on today. And I know that uh, some people might be watching this on YouTube at some point in time. We don't, we, we tend to occasionally post them to YouTube, but I mean, considering that we're both wearing specs, yours are far brighter than mine, which actually shows up on the cover as well. Um, it may be a, a vibrant uh, thing to see on YouTube. We're going to have a vibrant conversation today. And one of the things I want to get into right out of the gate is the idea of, of the focus project. So, I mean, I've interviewed Chris Bailey, who's talked about the productivity project before I've had, you know, the idea of the happiness project, Gretchen Rubin's been on the program before. So what was the impetus for you to take on a project that really centers around something that we struggle with and often have taken from us, which is focus. What was the impetus for you to say, Hey, look, this is something that I need to pun totally intended focus on. Ironically enough, it's an anti-venom to my first book. So I've written six books. This is the sixth book. The first book was Socialnomics, which was telling people, hey, this stuff isn't for teenagers. This is 12 years ago. This is going to change, revolutionize the world on how we communicate. So get into this stuff. And then what we saw is that everyone got way too into it, right? Way too far into their phones. And so I was watching this happen. I go, okay, we need an anti-venom to this. You need that balance between the Jetsons, socialnomics, and the Flintstones. How do I focus? And also partly, I was wrestling with it heavily. So here I am. I own my own company. So you'd think I'm the master of my time. I'm the master of my energy. And then I realized I was not. And so every night I'd go to bed with my hair on fire, vowing that is not going to happen tomorrow. And then sure enough, rinse, wash, repeat. And then I started talking to school teachers. I started talking to CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofits. Everyone was wrestling with focus. Then you throw on the pandemic. That's just gasoline on the fire. And so people are focused on busy things rather than big ones. And so that was the impetus of the focus project, starting with a readership of one, me, and then realizing that, wow, the more people I talk to, it's one of the common things we have. There's not many things that we as humans have in common and can agree on, but that was one of them. That, hey, I can't focus on the big things. I don't have enough time. I'm busy. I'm drained. My hair's on fire every day. How do I stop the madness? It's interesting because, you know, through the work I do and through, you know, just having conversations with others through this podcast over the years, uh, we a lot of people tend to gravitate towards the things that you can quantify, right? Like the things that, you know, and, and in the book you talk about one of the best things is 
you know, February 2nd, so Groundhog Day, which, by the way, we're recording this the day before Groundhog Day, one of my favorite days of the year, because it allows for a reset. So when you pick up this book, this would be a good chance to reset your focus. But I love how you've, like, crossed out time and put energy. And I'm a big, big believer in that time is not something that we should even try to manage because it is uh, – it, it does what it will, right? Like time is, is beyond us to a degree. We've tried to understand it for years. But what you're talking about and a lot of what you go in here, uh, talk about in here, very subjective stuff, very human stuff. And I wonder, as you were going through the process of writing the book and really living the project, what were some of the things that you noticed by focusing on these subjective things for yourself that really are indicative and, and, and really human qualities that we should all really kind of strive to manage or, um, again, uh, focus on rather than the things that are more, you know, that we try to try to tackle and manage, but just, they're not, they're not things that will be managed. Yeah. I mean, time waits for no one. And when you think about it, it's better to figure about your energy management. And so one of the things you need to do is it's all about routines. The big learning for me was that it's not about willpower. It's about do you have systems and routines in place? And so what we learned from, first of all, the top three things I learned from doing this project, one, focus is very, 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 very hard, but it can be learned. It can become a habit. Second, that successful people are better at focusing than others. And it's not because they have inherent DNA. It's not because they're gifted in some way or another. It's because they basically say no to almost everything. Mm -hmm. And they've put system and process in place to say no so that they can get to a yes. Because you originally, especially Americans, they hear, no, I can do it all. Uh, and no, it's not that. It's you want to focus on the big things. So how can I say yes to the big things? And then last but certainly not least is it's about progress, not perfection. And when you think about New Year's resolutions, the reason they fail and 9% of us achieve them is because you set this crazy, crazy goal that's almost unattainable. You go, okay, I'm going to start my morning routine. I'm going to journal. I'm going to do attitude of gratitude. I'm going to do some yoga. I'm going to do some stretching. I'm going to make my green tea. And basically, if you're able to achieve that morning routine, it, it goes into the afternoon. So those are the top three learnings is that focus is hard, but it can be learned, can have it. Secondarily is that successful people understands about saying no to the, mm -hmm. so they can say yes to the big things and you have to have systems and processes, not willpower to do that. And then last but not least, think progress, not perfection. So, you know, one of the things that, that when I think about focus is, uh, and you brought it up, it's, it's something that we have, like that we should be striving for as individuals. And, but it's us against the world in a lot of cases, right? Like I remember uh, watching Bo Burnham do an interview and it was, he said, uh, they are coming for every second of your life. He was talking. Yes. And I think he was at an event that was sponsored by one of the companies that very well is coming for every yeah. second of your life. <laughs> and so my, one thing that I think would be helpful for the listener out there is to, uh, is to figure out, okay, so when focus fails you, or when you fail to focus. And it, it guaranteed, you talked off the top, same thing. Uh, I've run into the same problem. You know, we teach what we need to learn the most. We run into these problems super human. When you found yourself flailing when it, when it came to focus, what was it that kind of helped you course correct and get back on track? So over time, you realize to check in with yourself. And so sometimes for me, it was setting actual alerts five times throughout the day. So just my phone would buzz and I'd ask myself, what am I doing right now? And what should I be doing? Now, interestingly enough, people that we interviewed for the project, 
if they did a lot of yoga, they were better at being present. They're better at breathing. They're better at checking in with themselves throughout the day. But for most of us that were not trained to do that is that you've got to just pause periodically and go, what am I doing and what should I be doing? And so for me, that was a tremendous help because I'd catch myself, like you said, we love numbers. I love numbers. And so I love looking at my email inbox, especially after I perform on stage, I'll get off stage. I might have 500 emails. I love looking at that 500 and get it down to zero because it's numeric. I feel yep. like I'm achieving something, but really that's what we try to want to avoid. We still want to answer those emails. But we want to batch process them. And so for me, the short answer to your question is how do I set up ways? And over time you get better at this. You don't have to have an alert. How do I check in with myself throughout the day? Pause. What am I doing? And what should I be doing? Eric, when Eric Partaker was on the show, we talked about the three alarms and how he used alarms to kind of configure what phase of the day he is doing certain things. Like, is he in dad mode? Is he in, you know, business mode? And I think those are key. Do you think that one of the problems when it comes to focus is this hyper-scheduling? Is this, I mean, you mentioned we want to do a lot and, mm -hmm. and, and, and we live in a world that celebrates that in a lot of yes. ways. Um, we talked, you talked about like checking in with yourself, yoga, breathing. I mean, two practices that are highly underutilized as productivity metrics are meditation and journaling. And it be, and the reason I believe that's the case is because there's no, to your point about the inbox, there's no dopamine like hit right yep. away. There's no quick win. You can't see the benefits of it. It takes time. So mm -hmm. for somebody who is, um, you know, Go And obviously the book goes through a lot of this gratitude. It talks about yep. relationship building, things like that. And there's lots in here. Um, someone who is like, yeah, that's all well and good, but I've got all these things to do. How do I adopt mm -hmm. a habit or a ritual that will promote focus? Um, what's, what's a tripwire for them? What's an easy, quick win that can get them on the path to focus as opposed to taking on an entire project of focus, which is what you did. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password.
Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Right. So the easiest thing is just remember the not so simple art of doing less better. If you hear that, you feel like that's a big underachievers motto, right? If you wore that around on a t-shirt, the not so simple art of doing less better, but you've got to play the long game. A lot of us just think short term. And so we run a million miles an hour and we're like, oh, I'll write that book tomorrow or I'll tackle that big thing that has been on my list for years. It never happens, this big thing. And so something they can do right away, and this has been said in a lot of books, including by Jay Papasan, Gary Keller, who also live in Austin, Texas, but it's been said for all the way back to the Stoics. What's the one thing, if I do it well, makes everything else easier or unnecessary? And so 90% of successful people have to-do lists. But ironically enough, only 4% make a not to-do list. So what you want to do, digital leaders, so my background's on, on, on leadership and on technology. And so the reason I'm writing this book is because they do go hand in glove. I started seeing it from all the leaders in the tech space as well, is take, they index very high in making these not to-do lists. And so what you want to do is take your to-do list. Again, you listeners, you're overachievers, you're listening to this podcast already, so we know you're overachieving. And what you want to do is take that to-do list, just write the word not on it today, write the word not, and then look down that list, which is crazy long. And if I gave you another five hours a day, still wouldn't get it done. So ironically, that also gives you pause to realize, hey, that's a false belief that if I just work harder, I'm going to get this down to zero. It's never going to happen. So it's not a defeatist attitude. It's just reality. And so look down that long list and literally circle the one thing that'll make everything else easier and necessary. Move that over to your to-do list. And you're probably going, well, why haven't I done this before? Because I guarantee most likely that thing you need to do isn't easy to do. <laughs> That's why we avoid it. If it is you want to write a book, it's probably you just, it's, you just, it's very nerve wracking to think I got to write for a half hour today. And so you don't take that step. So, but that's the easiest way to do it is write down what's the one thing that makes everything else either easier or unnecessary. So for, for example, you'll see in the book, so we're an edutainment company. So we do a lot of things. Like we have board games, we have an animation studio, we have socialnomics.com, which is revenue generating website, all these things, I'm on stage, we do partnerships. So there's a lot of things that all roll under edutainment but if you ask me, what's the one thing that makes everything else either easier or unnecessary, it's me being on stage. Mm. And so as a gravitational pull, which it does, we're having a meeting this afternoon with my team, gravitational pull is to do all these other things, social media posts, uh, to do more podcasts, whatever it might be, is that you got to pause. We have comics. You got to pause and go, all right, that stuff's all great. We love doing it. 
But all of a sudden, we're only putting 10%, 5% of our time towards speaking. Let's course correct. So it's always that you're rowing in the boat, you're course correcting to get back to those big islands rather than always just doing the short haul to the small islands. Right. right. And it's really interesting because quantitative productivity is far easier to measure than qualitative. And that's the yes. thing. Is it's, it's, that's why yeah. it's hard to pull from that, that pull. I want to shift gears for a second because you brought up something that I think is really, really valuable. And I, I've strived to do this in the work I do as well. Is there's a playfulness or an accessibility to the work that you do? Not just in this book, but I mean, I've obviously done my homework. And I mean, we talked about the glasses off the top and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. To me, there is a disarming nature when you add some spice or some vibrancy to topics like this because it's – number one, it's hard to do consistently and sustainably. But number two, not many people are doing it because of that. So yep. what are some of the things that you found that by, by the approach that you and your company take mm -hmm. on, 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 with the work that you do yep. that have been – game changers for, for you and for the people that you serve, but also uh, have been probably, I wouldn't say the most challenging to maintain, but the, you know, the idea of imposter syndrome and those things that show up because it's mm. not conventional. Like the way you approach it is not conventional. And you are essentially, you talked about the, the, the rowing of the boat metaphor. You are like swimming upstream in some instances here okay. too, because it's, it's, you know, I mean, again, you know, you walk into a room and you're doing a presentation or a keynote in front of like, you know, a thousand people or what have you. And you're, you, you're, you know, you're not wearing that shirt and tie and all that stuff. People yep. go, oh, well, wait a minute. Like there's optics there. Right. So I'm just yep. curious about that because it, it does fascinate me because there's not many people doing it the way that you do. No, thank you. I mean, those listening, I do wear very, very bright green glasses. And maybe as a follow up before I answer this question, I'll explain the story behind how that happened and then also why that's good for business now. But it was very difficult to do in the short term and still uncomfortable to walk around with bright green glasses in certain situations, <laughs> for sure. I'm uh, a huge Green Lantern fan, so I'm all yeah. about it. I'm all about the green. Yeah. <laughs> it actually just recently at a very, it was 100 folks at this big sales meeting where I was speaking. So there's a hundred reps from different countries in the world. And the first question I get, the guy was super nice. He goes, hey, I've got to say, really enjoyed this session. I took a ton of notes, which is surprising because you walked in with those green glasses on. My first thought was, oh boy. Mm. So, but to answer your question about how do we kind of stay on track, the hardest thing for us to do is really 80 20. Mm. So we've got to edutainment. You got to make it fun for our, our team so that it's fun for those out there. Cause I think that in order to educate someone, you got to entertain them. Yeah. And in order to empower someone, you have to educate them. So we always talk about entertain, educate, empower. But if we're not doing that internally, it's going to be hard for us to convey that to the world. And so 20% of your time, you have to do stuff you do not want to do. We have to do taxes. Or this week, we have a board game called Kitty Corn that is sold to kids under the age of six. And all of a sudden, we did not know this. Amazon requires you to have this child protection certificate. Even though it's a deck of cards, it's made millions of times by the same company. There's someone that has to be paid to give you this certificate that says, this game of cards will not burst, combust while your kid's playing it. <laughs> So all of a sudden, well, that's, a, not that's a selling Amazon. point. That's yeah, a selling take, point. That's a, yeah. that's a key selling a huge point. Huge selling point. Hey, your kid will not lose a finger playing this card game. And I've got two daughters. So I'm like, okay, 
let's get this done. And so that's 20% of stuff that you, that's not fun trying to get the certificate, paying money and just to whatever. So then that one is 20%, but you don't want that to creep the 30 to 50% where your day-to-day work is 50% not fun. You got to make it fun. And you were used the word play. It's interesting. If you read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, mm-hmm. his epiphany when he's running at a young age, his early 20s, didn't know what he's going to do with his life. He's clearing his head through his meditation, which is jogging. He's out there jogging. He goes, play. I want to build something to where I can play every day. Yeah. And so he did that, but also there's times when he's building that company where it's not play, where he's getting sued and where he's got to shell out $9 million to the government because he didn't know there's a tax for importing certain things from Japan at the time. All of a sudden the government comes and says, hey, these lobbyists from Converse and, and from Adidas have lobbied enough to, to identify that you didn't pay this tax, you owe us $9 million. So it's really about that play, like you mentioned. And so you've got to be present. And you'll hear me say that a million times. You've got to be present to understand, oh, my team's all of a sudden slipped to 50% that they're not having fun. So how do I make sure I ask them all the time? We've got to do some of this dirty stuff, but let's make that just that 20% and 80% is us having that fun. Um, one, thing I wanted to, one thing I wanted to touch on was the idea of focus for the long haul. Because we talked about like in bursts, but... Um, I imagine, and I'd love to hear your experience on this, but as I was going through the book, it seemed to me that your focus was being galvanized just through the process of writing the book. It's just the vibe I got. I mean, you've got a very yeah. conversational tone and yes, you're mixing in data and stories and anecdotes and all that stuff that you, you know, I mean, people do, but it's not, it wasn't, there was something behind the writing that I recognized, or at least I felt that I recognized. So I'd love to hear your, whether, whether I was just projecting or whether that's yeah. the case, but I'd love to hear that. No, I mean, it's true. I mean, I'm a work in progress just like anybody else. So when I'm on stage, I'll tell folks, hey, look, we're going to go over some focus things, but know that I haven't perfected it, but I've gotten better. And that's the key, progress over perfection. Can I get 1% better most days? Not each day. It's more like a roller coaster. You just want to look at that graph over time and see that it goes in an upward trajectory. But there's going to be weeks and seasons where you dip and others where you excel and being able to accept that but trying to course correct to that but exactly right is as i wrote it it's the first book that i've written from a personal level so it's very uncomfortable for me to do that not only including family but also explaining walking people through okay this did work for me this didn't this is where i know i've got a huge weakness and i just got to make that a liability not a strength and surround myself with people that have that strength and so as you look at focus long-term, it's about what's my firm destination and being flexible in my path and how we get there. That includes flexible with yourself, but also flexible from a focus perspective when a pandemic comes up, when this external hurdle comes up, when a change in the law comes up. Are you able to navigate around those and then get back to that center to get to that firm destination? One thing that I, I also want to bring up as we get close to wrapping up here is the idea of fear. Uh, so you brought up willpower. Now, I'm a fan of willpower, but I do recognize that, to your point, without some form of construct, willpower can't 
do anything. Mm-hmm. Like you can't rely on it. That's why I'm a huge fan of the Green Lantern, right? Like the ring yeah. is the is the is the channel. It's the thing that filters the focus, for lack of a better term. And then from the, it elevates it or augments the, yeah. the the willpower. And of course, the enemy of the Green Lantern and willpower is fear. Well, fear is yeah. like I mean, you can't you can't escape it. It's like time. Like it's omnipresent. You just have to figure out how to deal with it. So my question is, with relationship with relation to fear, how what role? Do you think fear plays in focus? Mm-hmm. And as a follow-up, um, what are some things that someone can do when they feel fear kind of filtering or finagling its way into, into your focus practice so that they don't succumb to it and then just, you know, go back to old habits or let focus escape them? Now, I'm going to use the word nervous here just because it's parallel in my mind a little bit. So you think about fear. If you're about to go on stage, I get nervous. I always get nervous. People always ask me, do you get nervous before you get on stage? I go, absolutely. I know the least amount of anyone in the room about if I'm in front of automotive manufacturers. I know the least about how to make a car in the room. And so a lot of folks will tell you, don't get nervous. That's the worst advice. It's, yeah, get nervous, but change that word from nervous into energetic. Mm. Of course, I'm going to use this. I should be nervous. I'm going to turn that nerves into energy. Same with fear. Of course, you should be fearful. I'm fearful that I'm not going to tap into my potential, that I've been placed here on earth and I don't live up to the potential that I've been given. And so use that fear as a driver. But that's the best thing you can do. Otherwise, you can kind of be stricken and then just don't do anything because you're Mm. afraid to fail. Yeah. But it's about failing fast, failing forward, failing better. And it's also about asking, this is what I learned a lot during the Focus Project. I used to ask, why is this happening to me? Instead of what am I supposed to learn here? So don't ask, why is this happening to me? Ask, what am I supposed to learn here long-term from this setback, which will eventually be a step up? So for example, for 15 years, you talked about the Green Lantern. I got the green glasses. My name's Eric Qualman. So you take first initial, last name. It's Equal Man. And they hand those email addresses out. I'm an intern at Cadillac growing up in Detroit. I hated it. You're in a, a meeting and they go, hey, we need some coffee. Well, Equal Man, you're super fast. Go get some coffee. <laughs> and so instead of asking, you know, what am I supposed to see here? I say, why is this happening to me? And then I realize, wait, this isn't happening to me. It's happening for me. Mm. And I learned that 15 years later, I went to do it. I, I did an interview for a magazine for one of the books, and they wanted to put my picture on the cover. So they said, hey, do you mind wearing some Clark Kent like Superman glasses? Because you have this unique email address, Equal Man. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, that sounds fun. They go, do you mind if they're bright green for St. Patrick's Day? I go, yeah, let's, let's, let's have some fun. Mm-hmm. And we take that photo. A couple months later, I go to give a talk in Kenya for the first time. And part of that, the night before I was going to adopt a baby cheetah from a rescue shelter, uh, not to take home, my wife would absolutely kill me, but just learn <laughs> about che- Kenya. Or the cheetah would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Support the area. That's a whole other story we can get into with the handlers there, but because it's tough for them at a certain time, they can't go in the cage anymore. But cheetahs are super friendly anyways when they go to the yeah. old. But what was interesting is on the ride over, the lady goes, hey, we had Usain Bolt, the Olympic sprinter here two days ago. We filmed him. We'd love to film you. Marry that footage together to raise more money for the shelter. I go, that sounds great. Yeah, happy to do it. And then she pauses and looks at me and goes, but when we film you, you want to make sure you're wearing your green glasses. And I go, oh, I don't walk around the world in green glasses. I look like a fool. People would look at, it would be uncomfortable. And the look of, 
you know, just the look of just disappointment in her face. I don't want to see that again because everyone in Kenya had seen that magazine. So they thought that's what I, that was their expectation the next day on stage that I would have these green glasses. And so that was the moment in time I realized, wait, it's time to step into that fear, time to step into that discomfort and wear the green glasses so that if it helps one other person out, that it's worth wearing these green glasses. And it's been crazy. We've sold over 100,000 of these now because when I speak on stage, they started to reach out to us and go, hey, we'd love to give some glasses to the executives. And they started saying, we want them for the whole audience. It's all of a sudden, we used to send them to Amazon and they go, no, 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 we don't want to go through Amazon. We want you guys to handle everything for us. So unbeknownst to us, all of a sudden, we're, now, we manu we, we're in the business of selling glasses and our provider in Florida always is going, these guys are ordering a crazy <laughs> amount of green glasses. Uh, and then some school districts adopted green glasses as a symbol of kindness. And so imagine if I didn't do that just because of my own discomfort. And if imagine if I kept asking, why is this happening to me instead of for me, then we don't get to have this kindness campaign, which is one of the most amazing things I've been involved in to where all these kids elementary to high school wear green glasses one day out of the month to remind them it's not what you look like that matters. Treat everyone the same. Treat them kind. When you see someone that wears green glasses, even though that looks different to you, difference is good. And so it's just been an amazing ride. And so if you take anything from this interview, just step into your story, focus. You're going to have fear, just like I still have nerves and fear when I wear green glasses to certain locations because I know people are looking at me. Some are saying, I love the green glasses. Some are saying other stuff that I can't say on this podcast. Uh, and so just step into your story, step into that discomfort. Long-term, that's the most comfortable place you can live. And just focus on, on your story. Focus on your story. That Focus on the biggest chapters of your story rather than those busy chapters. And focus on picking up the book, The Focus Project by Equal Man. That's what it says on here. But Eric Quammen, thanks for joining us today. Where can people pick up the book and keep up with the work that you're doing, which is and get some glasses and get some glasses <laughs> and get some glasses. So Equal Man across the board, obviously, it's sold in online outlets on Amazon. And it's still fortunately, there's bookstores. I love bookstores. Uh, they're still there, but if they're not in the bookstore because it all depends on the regionality where it is, is that they're always available on Amazon, Audible. Whatever floats your boat, Kindle. And if you want to reach out to me, just equal man across the board. I'm easy to find. Thanks so much for having a productive conversation with me today. Thank you, Mike. I love it. So good. Big thanks to Eric for joining me today on the program. If you want to check out all the things we talked about, relevant links, pick up his book, all that stuff, head to productivityist.com slash podcast 469 to make that happen. And by the way, while you're kind of listening to this right now, you should subscribe to the show if you're listening in Apple Podcasts, in Google Podcasts, in Overcast, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this, just hit the subscribe button. That way you don't miss a single episode of what's to come. And you have easy access to all of the episodes that have come before this one. So you get some equilibrium there. See what I did there? Anyway, the other thing I'd love for you to do is check out the sponsors that you heard during this episode. Just go to productivities.com slash podcast sponsors to show your support to them, which helps support this show and keep the lights on or the speakers going or what have you. Anyway, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me. I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. I'll see you later.